millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Did you know that 96% of the people banged up in prison in Northern Ireland are men? At the time of recording this podcast, almost 1,650 men were incarcerated here. That compared to about 80 women. Why is that? Why is the difference so great? Is it because of social, cultural or even economic reasons? Or are men simply more likely to be rule breakers? To be bad? Are men more likely to be simply evil? Or even, are all men innately less ethical than women? Or could it be that men are treated differently by society and the criminal justice system. Joining me to discuss this massive subject is Professor David Cantor. He's a psychologist whose extensive work has included forensic psychology. He's literally written the dummy's guide to the subject. And I'll also talk to Dr Michelle Butler, who's a senior lecturer in criminological psychology and imprisonment at Queen's University here in Belfast. Now, of course, we aren't saying that everyone in prison or who's ever been in prison is evil or even bad. Some may, of course, have carried out actions that most people think are wrong and in some cases, bad or evil. But they are in prison for breaking the rules. The law. So how have those customs led to men becoming the vast majority of those in prison? Here's David Cantor. Well, it's not just Northern Ireland. Throughout the world, the great majority of people who commit crime are men. Uh, 90% um, of criminal activity is is committed by men and they they end up in prison. And there's quite an interesting aspect of this. Uh, Men, generally speaking, are much more likely to break the rules. I always like to point out that if you look at a, a queue in a supermarket where it says um, you can only queue here if you've got less than 10 items, um, and you look at people uh, with more than 10 items uh, breaking the rule, you'll find very often, nearly always, they are men. 
Um, generally speaking, men break the rules much more often than women. Men are more aggressive than women, so they get caught up in crime. I think also they're probably out and about more um, in pubs and in other places where various sorts of criminal and violent activity can happen. So uh, th that's the starting point for this, uh, is that men are just generally speaking, cause a lot more trouble in the world um, than women do. The, the, the next question, of course, is why is that? And that's a much more challenging question to answer. So in terms of forensic psychology, have you found anything at a scientific uh, level which would suggest that men and women have fundamentally different natures beyond casual observation? Well, uh, we know that crime has a huge social component. In other words, it comes out of a culture of what it is acceptable to do and that uh, people very actively involved in criminal, almost in, in criminality, almost invariably um, are part of a social group that is involved in criminality. So the idea that men learn early on uh, that's breaking the rules is not only acceptable but might be considered a, a, a macho or manly thing to do um, is certainly something that that you come across. So I would emphasize a social explanation of what is accepted and expected of men um, that leads them into criminality. Uh, we also know that there are legal issues involved. In other words, if a woman is involved in a crime, it will often be considered uh, to be some sort of mental problem uh, rather than a particular issue that, um, that, that has some criminality associated with it. And therefore, women are far less likely to be uh, convicted of crimes um, than men are. This is changing, interestingly, in relation to women having much more freedom and much more equality in society. One of the consequences of that is that there are more women involved in, uh, in violent crime than used to be the case in the past. Um, so those social issues are important. There are probably some uh, other sort of biological uh, bases. There's some evidence that testosterone is more likely to lead uh, to impulsivity and uh, aggressiveness. Um, uh, but that, and there's also the simple fact of uh, physical, pure physical difference between men and women, in that men um, are generally speaking uh, m more physically active, more uh, uh, bigger, stronger. Um, than women, and that may uh, contribute to them being more likely to get involved, particularly in violent crime. Um, even when you look at the crimes women do commit, they tend to be things like fraud rather than the violence that men get involved in. I'm interested in your point on, on, on the social aspect, and I wonder, I mean, is that, and I know it's a, I know it's a combination, but in terms of you know, ideology, and I mean, I mean that in the in its the lowest sense of the word. You know, in terms of belief, in economic factors and cultural factors, it encompasses all of those things. When you say it's a social factor, yes, that's right. Uh, men 
I mean, I've interviewed, I, I've interviewed murderers who uh, feel that they had to carry out a violent act against somebody uh, to defend their pride, to because they they felt that if they didn't do that, they would be looked down on and perhaps uh, would be physically more vulnerable. Uh, so they had to they had to hit out um, in a very violent way. Um, so yes, that the 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 cultural context in which men are still these days expected to be manly and uh, heroic um, it, it is without doubt part of the issue of, of violent crime. Um, and as I say, men are far, far more likely to be involved in violent crime than are women. I, and you have to take on board the fact that what is defined as a crime, what leads to people going to prison is very much determined by the society. So in those terrible uh, societies that still exist in the world today, where homosexuality is regarded as criminal, as far as I know, it's, uh, it's homosexuality uh, between men that will lead to, um, in some cases, to execution, uh, but certainly to them being treated as criminals. I've not come across the, any indication that lesbian relationships are regarded as criminal in those societies. So that's simply a definition that the society places um, on what is criminal. We have a perception, and it is true, that men have discriminated against women for thousands of years and continue to do that to this day. But whenever I start to look at the criminal justice system, and as you've said, men are much more likely to be charged with a crime and to be convicted of a crime and to be sent to prison for a crime. And it's perhaps this, in comparison to a woman who maybe has done a similar or the same thing. That seems grossly unfair. Or am I simplifying things far too much? I've always said that the criminal justice system's understanding of psychology can be dated to about 1840. Um, it's still very primitive in its understanding of all the issues that psychologists have, have uncovered over the last uh, couple of centuries. Um, so uh, within that framework, um, it, you are right to point to the fact that women um, are treated differently uh, by the criminal justice system. Um, and uh, I mean, there are many, there are other aspects of that. I mean, that, for instance, when a woman is sent to prison, that impacts usually on the family and particularly the children much, much more uh, than when a man is sent to prison. Um, and certainly uh, women who do become involved in crime are more likely to have uh, less severe sentences um, and, generally speaking, to be treated as having mental problems than, uh, than men. Uh, although it's very clear from lots of studies that a very high proportion of men in prison do have all sorts of, uh, of mental problems um, that are not recognised in the same way as they are with women. Evil. Is, is, a, is a very it's a very loaded word it's not a scientific term but certainly when one looks at the news what's coming from our courts and of course in the history books it seems that these it seems really if we zoom out and if we take a very simplistic view that men do seem to be worse people than women 
or, or again, uh, 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 am I just being silly? No, you're picking up a generalised view uh, that goes back into many cultures that, that men are supposed to be the dominant force, are supposed to be the breadwinner, they're supposed to be um, the, the defender um, uh, of their society and of their family. And women are supposed to be the caregivers and the supporters and the mothers. So that, that, uh, that view uh, is, is, is still prevalent in, in many contexts. I have already mentioned that there are more women involved in violent crime than used to be the case, and that in Western societies there is a slow drift towards more equality in what is expected of men um, and women. And, and this relates, for example, to the willingness to talk about uh, mental illness or, and mental distress. and. Certainly some crime emerges out of people not being able to cope with uh, their traumas and stresses. Um, and if, if they are able to talk about it more, then that would um, possibly reduce um, the, uh, the criminal activity. So let's turn to Northern Ireland, where, as we've said, 96% of the people in prison are men. I asked Dr. Michelle Butler if she can explain why the number of men in our jails is so much higher than the number of women. So there's about 1,500 people in Northern Ireland's jails. Uh, Michelle, over 96% of them are male. It's a big question, but why, why is that? For somebody to be in prison, they have to appear before the courts and the courts have to decide either remand them into custody or give them a prison sentence. So you have to understand sentencing policy. And I mean, in Northern Ireland, for the last number of years, there's been a focus on diverting women away from custodial sanctions and putting women in custody because of the, the knock-on harms that that can have, but especially for children or families. So there's been a focus in Northern Ireland of actually trying to avoid putting women into prison. And not just Northern Ireland, actually, internationally. So internationally, there has been a move um, during the 21st century to avoid putting women in prison where possible. So that will be part of it. And then there's other things like how what behaviours do we focus on when we're policing, how decisions are made about what sanctions people should get then as well, um, as well as actually people being involved in offending behaviour. So this conversation, so it is, and it's a conversation that's gone in a way that I wouldn't have expected it really. So I'm asking really, and I admit it, I'm asking this sort of exaggerated question, why are men evil? But almost it seems that the deck is stacked against men now, that if a woman and a man commit the exact same offence, they won't be treated exactly the same in front of the courts. That's the impression I'm getting. Is that unfair? No. So I think, like I said, there's a, a number of different things at play here. Well, firstly, I would challenge the idea that everybody who's in prison is evil because people can be in prison for lots of different reasons. There's people who are sometimes in prison who haven't even been found guilty before the courts yet, who are on remand. There's people in prison for fine default or for um, non-criminal detainees. 
Of course, then you have people who are in prison on sentence often. Um, a lot of them will be in prison either short-term sentences or sentences less than five years. So again, you know, thinking the whole idea that people who are in prison are, is evil, I would disagree with to begin with. But if you're asking me like you did, why are there more men in prison? There's lots of, like I said, complicated reasons for that. And obviously one of the reasons is thinking about sentencing policy. So yes, there is a Northern Ireland focus trying to divert women away from custodial sanctions where possible, where possible. Um, there can also, you got to look at um, the nature of the offences for which women might be charged with. And those offences might be more acquisitive in nature than violent related or um, and sometimes as a result then there might be different sanctions imposed through the courts. So often when you're appearing before the courts consideration is given to a whole range of different factors in deciding whether what punishments somebody should get. So they look at the nature of the offence, your previous offending history, any mitigating circumstances. There'll be a whole load of different things taken into account. So obviously, if if women are um, committing, on average, women are committing less violent related offences, then they might not be seen as much of a risk to being detained in the community and might be more likely to get probation or supervision or some sort of non-custodial sanction. So there can be differences in the nature of the offences which women are committing in comparison to men. There can be differences in sentencing with regards to how women or men are sentenced. There can also be, there is as well, because um, I'm guessing what you're thinking about is if there's biological differences as well in um, but, well, I mean, you have mentioned the different types of offences, which, and, and we're, we're really drawing, you know, we're looking at, we're looking at averages here, obviously, not individuals. Yeah. So in terms of violence, um, that, that, that man is, so is it, I mean, if we take violent crime, which, which, which horrifies many people, obviously there are sexual offences and obviously there are crimes against property, but I mean, why is it then? That, that men have this propensity? Is it, is it psychological? Is it hormonal? Well, is it societal, ideological? There's a couple of different things. I think some in the past, there has been some studies that have suggested that women might be more likely to kind of use um, less physical forms of violence, but more kind of like verbal or emotional forms or harms or violence. Um, but also then when women do commit violence for example if if women do commit violence to what extent how does society label and respond to that and understand it so um uh, the classic cases and these the 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 the, the, the most horrifying cases i think really that society has uh, and that is when children are murdered and mm-hmm. obviously when that happens you know, and we've all, you know, as journalists, as a journalist, I would have seen these things in the paper and they've gone through. But if if, if a woman takes the lives of, of her children, obviously that's dealt with as a mental health issue. And I'm not saying it is or it isn't. If, if a man does it, 
I, I cannot think of a case where that has been thought of as a mental health issue. It has been thought of as a, as a, as a, as a, as a massive violent crime. Yes, I mean, there definitely society's understandings around gender norms can sometimes shape the lens through which we view behaviour and then how we try to understand and rationalise that behaviour and then that can have an impact sometimes on the punishments people receive as well. So sometimes if women engage in crimes that is seen as violating those kind of gender norms and expectations it can either be understood as a mental health issue so they're 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 mad or they're very very bad if you think of the likes of Myra Hindley or others and and in those contexts where they're seen as bad and violent generals often they can get maybe harsher punishments than might be the case for men because again um coming back to thinking about how how those social norms in our society shape the lens through which we view this behavior and understand it and try to rationalize it and then how that affects the kind of the narratives put forwards in the court and the arguments made yeah yeah i mean obviously it's great to speak to an expert it's great to speak to someone in criminology because i suppose if we do what we would do in modern times, we'd send out a tweet and we ask a question. And if I ask this question, you know, people would come back and say, oh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the patriarchy. And other people would say it's testosterone. And other people would say it's the way they've been brought up. But it always occurs to me that if we, if it is simply in many men's essential nature to offend, it in a sense lets them off the hook as individuals. There is research out there that basically suggests that there are links between our biology and the operation of our brain, central nervous system, hormones, neurotransmitters, all of those things and our ability to process information can be linked to increases or decreased probability of maybe becoming involved in offending behaviour. and then there has been people who question whether, yeah, whether you can hold people responsible for that. I think it is complicated and um, because I think all of those things that you've mentioned can play a role. And um, how much of a role can vary from case to case and person to person and maybe the different types of uh, offending you're talking about. And certainly there's a lot of studies that kind of highlight a link between issues with managing impulsivity and sensation seeking and you know um, managing emotions expressing emotions regulating emotions controlling behavior and ending up involved in the criminal justice system in some way but it's not like our biology determines what's a crime you know, what's what's deemed to be a crime is linked to social norms about what behaviours we see as being acceptable or not acceptable. So social norms and society is what determines what, what should be seen as illegal behaviour or not true lawmaking. And obviously laws change and our understanding of behaviour changes and what's deemed to be socially acceptable has changed over time. So there's there's real linkages here between, I think, you know, those kind of like biological understandings of behavior 
with those kind of societal understandings of what do we see as criminal, what what groups or behaviours do we see as problematic, how do we define how people should behave and their genders and what's acceptable for those roles and not and and then what's seen as being appropriate punishment. So I think there's complicated linkages between them all. You talked about social norms and social acceptabilities and they lead to laws by parliaments and that is then enforced by a criminal justice system which ultimately for some people can lead to incarceration. But again, again, does that social norm and those what socially acceptabilities, does that go back to ultimately what we think is good and bad, what is what is what is evil? Yeah, so for the criminal justice system to work, it has to be seen as legitimate by the wider public. So it has to kind of feed into those commonly held views about what is appropriate behavior and what should be how behavior should be sanctioned. So one of the arguments that's put forward about why we punish, why we punish criminality is this whole idea that it sends a moral message to others in society about what's morally appropriate. So if you think about it in the past, we used to punish people physically, corporal punishment of the body and executions and things like that. And and then as the social norms changed around the appropriateness of that, the operation of the criminal justice system changed around the appropriateness of that. And, you know, we had transportation and then eventually we had imprisonment as kind of the main punishment. So I do think that it is that all of these all of these things are linked. So morals shape can shape individual people's understandings of behavior and what they see as being appropriate or not appropriate in society. So, Michelle, it's complicated. Uh, There are a lot of factors involved. But is there any suggestion that men and women think differently at a moral level? I'm not aware of any studies that kind of show sex differences in moral moral reasoning abilities. So the ability of men or women to engage in moral reasoning. I, I do think, though, that there are biological studies which sometimes show, for example, um, that while while men might be stronger sometimes, obviously on average, we're talking about on average again, then women women tend to be hardier. And um, so I think sometimes what you can see on average, sometimes women can be slightly better than men in being able to regulate their behavior and express themselves. And if you're talking about on a biological basis, and of course that feeds into then your ability to be able to control, you know, to control your behavior. So if you're put in a situation like many teenagers are, your ability to be able to express yourself if you're frustrated and so that you don't get annoyed and lash out at other people or um, turn to alcohol or drugs to cope 
then, you know, then if you're able to better communicate, that can help as a coping mechanism. And like I said, may mean that you're less likely to engage in public order or other issues when you're feeling overwhelmed and unable to express yourself or turning to alcohol or drugs because you don't feel able to express yourself or you lack the language to or you feel that social norms are not encouraging you to express yourself. And um, likewise, I think sometimes um, there's on again, on average, some biological studies showing that women are better able to regulate their impulses and control their behavior. So again, if you're in it as a teenager exposed to risky situations, that ability to be able to, to control your behavior can avoid putting yourself in, getting yourself further involved in situations that might result in criminal justice contact as well. Well, in the end, why are 96% of the people in our jails men? The answer is, it's complicated. But whilst nature, customs, morals, expectations and perceptions are all part of this story, ethics, right and wrong, and certainly the concept of evil, are probably not behind it. And yet, they do provide a simple answer to a complex problem. I leave it with you. Thanks for listening. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound design by Graham Davidson. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more like it at belfasttelegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply.